This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Business Accelerator, a coaching program for business owners designed to help you scale your business faster. Find out more at businessaccelerator.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. In this episode, we're talking about business health. What is it? Why is it critical? And how can you make an honest assessment of it? Our format is going to be a little bit different today, and I feel like we're saying that almost every week because we're trying a lot of different things, but I'm really excited about this episode. Today, we're unveiling our brand new business health assessment, and this tool is totally free. It's 100% online, and it'll give you instant clarity on the health of your business in four key domains, and you can go there if you want to right now at lead2.win slash business. It'll take you about 10 minutes, but we're going to tell you a little bit about it on this episode. What's really exciting is that we're going to demonstrate this powerful assessment with a live coaching call with one of our clients. Dad, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little nervous about this, but I'm excited Um, (laughs) because it's the first time that we've ever done this on the podcast. Yeah, we do it all the time in our uh, coaching program, but uh, to do it on a live call, that's going to be kind of fun. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. All right. Okay, so this is called the Business Health Assessment. As my dad said, it's a free online tool and it's live right now at lead2.win slash business. Lead2.win slash business. You can check it out now. It only takes about 10 minutes to complete. So dad, in a few minutes, we're going to place a call to Dave Robertson of Ashland, Virginia. He's already taken the assessment and we're going to walk through his results with him in kind of like this live coaching call. But before we do that, let's give some background on why we created the business health assessment and why it's important for business leaders. Okay, three reasons. First, you need to know where you are before you know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And so many leaders don't know what they don't know. And they may assume they're doing better or maybe worse than they are. So this has certainly been uh, my case in the past where maybe I've had something totally nailed and come to find out I didn't have it nailed at all. But the business health assessment will give you instant clarity. And when I say instant, I mean instant clarity in 10 minutes on the health of your business in four key phases of growth. Literally in about 10 minutes, it'll show your strengths and your weaknesses, and more importantly, where you need to focus your attention and your resources. So it's a powerful diagnostic tool. Second, it ensures your effort isn't wasted. So without clarity, we put our energy on the wrong things. Because mm-hmm. there's a bazillion things right. that are you know coming at us for our attention, whether it's opportunities we're trying to digest or fires that got to be put out or all the operational minutia. But many leaders just try something to see if it works. Yep. But luck is not a strategy, <laughs> nope. as it turns out. So the business health assessment tells you exactly where to put your effort. Third, it gives you a framework for business growth. And honestly, I think this is the greatest uh, benefit mm-hmm. because you need to know where the levers are and what levers you need to push and when. I mean, let's be honest. Not every leader has the benefit of an MBA from any school, let alone Harvard. Right. Self-taught leaders and entrepreneurs need help to see the whole scope of business life. And without that, it's so easy to get lost in mm-hmm. the weeds, to put all your energy, your effort, your resources in the wrong things, time spent putting out small fires, but neglecting the vital areas of growth. It's kind of like we say a lot to our clients, you don't want to fix the wrong problem. You want to make sure you're solving the right problem so you can really accelerate your results. Right. Well, this is this is a recipe for accomplishing more by doing less. Yes. In other words, if you don't have this, you're going to be working on all kinds of things. You have no idea if they're mm-hmm. going to uh, achieve the results you want. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk to Dave. 
Dave Robertson. Hey, Dave. Michael Hyatt. How you doing? Hey, Michael. Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm here with Megan Hyatt Miller. Hey, Dave. Hey, Megan. We're excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for doing this. Happy to do it. My wife uh, is very excited to uh, talk to you and meet you in person, see you at the church service when she was down there visiting. Yeah, I remember that. At the conference, and uh, she said to say hi. Tell her (laughs) hi back. Okay, so tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do. We started this business in January of 2016. Uh, We provide products and services for wineries and craft breweries. Okay. So started out serving. uh, So we do like bottles and corks and capsules, and uh, we bought a company that does mobile wine bottling in September of last year. Uh, Started out with no customers at all. And we are currently servicing about 180 of the 300 wineries in Virginia. We go all the way up to New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll do about $4 million in revenue this year. So we've had a lot of really rapid growth, which has caused a lot of growth pains along the way as well. So we've got your results in front of us, and we're super excited to talk about them. But first, tell us a little bit about how it was taking the business health assessment. How did it go? You know, it was uh, it was eye opening. You know, I, I I've done this before, not this assessment, but I've done uh, built businesses before, and it was a different way of kind of looking at it, especially where I am. And it, I sit in a forum with seven other entrepreneurs who were bouncing stuff off each other all the time. But looking at the assessment in this way, I thought was really um, really interesting, and I I felt really good about where the business was. And then I did the assessment and tried to be as realistic as possible and realized I definitely have some areas I need to work on and improve on. So that's awesome. I, it was good. It was, it was very interesting to be able to see it's like doing the Myers-Briggs personality. You know, you think, you know what you're like, but all of a sudden this really helps crystallize it a little bit for you. That's great. So Dave, was it pretty easy to use? It was much easier. <laughs> I expect that actually. Um, it, it, it did not take a lot of time. And good. I think, for me, I, I really felt very quickly when he, reading each of the different categories, I knew almost immediately which box I was going to be in. And there's obviously some subjective uh, where you're sure. looking at, am I a seven or a nine in a given category? But it was very straightforward. Love that. Okay. So just for our listeners, uh, when you take the assessment, you'll get your results instantly online. Dave already knows his raw score, but we just want to interpret that a little bit. So dad, before we get into that, why don't you share a little bit about how the assessment is structured so people can kind of picture it as we're talking through it? Yeah. So this is pretty cool. It basically scores 10 areas of business growth. Each one is a scale from one to 12. And there are kind of narrative descriptions of each area. So you choose the one that best describes your company. And you'll see here in a minute as we flesh this out, but the assessment scores uh, for one to 12 in each area. And that produces an overall score ranging from 12 to 120. In other words, if your business was absolutely perfect, nothing to improve, you'd get a score of 120. We also give you a visual representation, but it uh, gives you the instant graphic overview of each of the 10 metrics. So, Dave, your overall score came out at 83, which is about 76% of possible what we would call acceleration. I thought it was really interesting as I pointed out, especially when you see the the uh, actual chart itself and the way that it categorizes the different areas, the different stages, and, and really gives you a read on where you are along the lines. I was 
lower than I thought. I felt we've really done a good job in a lot of ways, but um, it really pointed pretty clearly to some of the areas that I think we need some help. But based on the overall score, here's what I'd expect to see happening in your business right now, and and tell me how close I am. But it sounds like, based on what I read, that you and your executive team probably have a pretty clear purpose and vision, but that probably isn't fully internalized by all employees. So there's maybe some lack of clarity about how their work drives results. I think that's right. And we've got so many different roles. We've got people who are working in the warehouse. And you've got drivers. I know you've got kind of an executive team and a management team and salespeople. And I think it's really easy for some of them to see how it relates. But to your point, there are people that it's just really hard for some of the people to really internalize the message. Culture is very important to me and about all the things we want to do and how we want to put the team together. But it's really hard. I'm having a hard time figuring out how to get that all the way through the entire organization. Okay. So we'll come back to that here in a minute. But uh, also based on the score, I'd say you likely have pretty solid financial reporting. You probably got a budget. You're getting monthly reports. I'm betting you have some cash reserve. You may have trouble sticking to a budget, and you may lack the margin to quickly seize new opportunities. That is correct. The one thing that I would say is we don't have a lot of cash reserves, and I think that's just because we're plowing so much into it with how fast we've been growing. Mm -hmm. So cash Mm -hmm. is definitely one of the things we've do a lot of forecasting and have very detailed uh, bottoms-up forecasts and spend a lot of time in that area. Um, strong financial reporting controls, but at the same time, you know, our growth has just been so rapid. A lot of it, we have to invest in inventory sure. and people and warehouses that, that it's really impacted some of the cash reserves. Yeah, that's really common. We see that a lot with our clients. Yeah, we really do. What would you say is your biggest challenge? And I, my suspicion is that this has to do with hiring, but if it's something else, tell me. It does. I think that's um, definitely the, the toughest thing. And, and I think I am a very heavy on the optimism scale. <laughs> I, um, when, when I look at anything, I always see it. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are that way as well. And for me, that's really the, been the goal is not to settle for people who are just mediocre performers because yes. I think to really succeed and to grow like we're growing, we need that type of people. Um, we have some great people, so I don't want to in any way. I mean, we've I feel like we've we've gotten some real finds, but it's hard to find more and more of those mm-hmm. people. Yeah, the sheer number of, of trying to find the number of people at the rate you're scaling is is challenging and maintain the quality. How would you say you feel about your overall business right now? If you had to pick one word to describe, you know, the emotion you feel about it, what would it be? Uh, I'd say exciting. Awesome. Uh, it's, it's just having a ton of fun. And I feel right now like the opportunities are unlimited ahead of us. It's just a matter of execution without screwing it up. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> Going too fast. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, the good news is, is that no matter what your score is, you know, whether you were on the low end or the higher end, like you were, Dave, there's always room for growth. So we want to get into specifically your top two areas and your weakest two areas um, with some specific feedback and solutions for you on how you can take those to the next level. So uh, your number one area of strength is culture. So dad, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, this is really cool. So your score was 11 out of a possible 12, which is amazing. And this is part of what we call the scale phase of business. So we have four different stages to business growth. And this is part of the scale one, which is the last one. But culture is vital for scale for two reasons. First of all, it enables collaboration and fast movement. 
in other words, acceleration, and it makes your brand ironclad because it's embodied in every teammate. And I often say that culture is the unseen force that drives results. And a lot of people miss this. You clearly get it, but a lot of people miss this and they wonder why they can't scale, why they can't grow, why their business is slowing down or getting sluggish. And it's usually because they're running headlong into this invisible force called culture. But my guess is that in your company, people love coming to work. There's a high degree of trust. And this is something you intentionally work at. It, it didn't happen by accident. So tell us a little bit about the culture. We, uh, it's, it's really a hard work, but have a lot of fun type of a mentality. Um, and, and we talk about it. We do weekly meetings where we spend some time talking about it. But we also, uh, on a quarterly basis, have an all-team meeting off-site somewhere. But I also spend a lot of time talking about the kind of work hard ethic and um, just how important that is. And that's one of the things I think we wrestle with a little bit is I get all, I get very excited about it. And I, you know, I get up front, I'm talking, but then um, one of my, I have another business partner who works with me and uh, he just made the point that, you know, we, I see how we can get engaged with this, but the guy who's working in the warehouse and it's just kind of, packing boxes, how does he get the same intensity mm-hmm. of working hard when his reward and upside isn't the same as, as ours, as owners? And um, that's, I think, the, the key thing that we're working on. But I, I think we do a really good job. And then, and then also uh, cynical attitude. So we really try to make sure everybody's solution-oriented. Well, obviously, you're doing great here. But like in any area, you've probably got some areas to grow. But as Megan was reviewing your results, she jotted down a couple of items that she thought might be helpful just to kind of take it up to that next level. Because even, by the way, people that get a 12 on this, the reason they get a 12 is they're always looking for ways to improve. So first of all, I think practicing candor as a leadership trait. One of the things that we often do as leaders when we're focused on fun is that we sometimes don't balance that fun with truth telling. And so I think always being sincere in both your praise, which is super important, it sounds like you're killing it at that, but also in your feedback and critique of your team so that they get that kind of feedback almost like an athletic coach um, and a player would get you know, in that relationship so they can constantly be improving their performance, believing that they can handle the whole truth. And this is a challenge as a leader to kind of wrap your head around this, but to take a stand for them and their greatness and be willing to speak the truth and give them the chance uh, to improve can be huge. And then, you know, when offering praise or correction, always tie it back to your core values. So you were talking about the challenge of making sure that your vision and kind of your, your brand identity gets all the way down through all the layers of your organization. And I think that's a lot about making your core values um, visible, but also describing in terms of their behaviors, like what behaviors would be um, embodied, you know, or, or would embody the value. And then what would that look like at different levels of the organization? So when you're praising somebody to tie that back to a value that you have as a company, so they get the connection between your identity and their contribution, their behavior in the organization for that. So that's something we've had great success with in our company. Um, and people just love it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, those core values are you know, driving them. They're, they're kind of like a hat rack. Yeah. You know, they give you a place to hang the behaviors. Totally. And kind of organize them so that people can keep coming back to them again. And I don't know what your core values are, but but uh, like if you have integrity as one, then when people do something that's integral, yeah. then they can hang it back on that core value. And go, oh yeah, that's how it's fleshed out. 
that's what it looks like in real life. And they hold each other accountable. I mean, if you get out of line even a little bit, yes. you know, they'll call you on it. I get you, called on it by our own people. Right, which is so great. They'll call each other on it. I mean, it, it really creates guardrails for your company, and it's it's amazing. Okay, let's go on to the next one. And the next highest strength you had was strategic planning. Megan, you want to cover some of this? Yeah, we'll so, kind of do it in reverse order here. Yeah, so you got a 10 out of 12, which is fantastic. And this is part of the planning phase of business along with financial and product planning. You know, strategic planning is vital for acceleration. It's the roadmap to the future for leaders. And it's always a temptation to kind of get stuck in the present or be so far out in the future that you don't kind of have a plan to execute on, but it sounds like you're doing well with that. It also provides instant clarity on decision-making. So is this a strategic priority or not? It kind of answers that question. And that ensures that you don't waste your resources. So based on how you scored, I bet that you already have identified your strategic objectives, that your leadership team is pretty clear on what you're trying to achieve, and that you're making some attempts to communicate that to the whole team. So first of all, does that sound true? And then second of all, tell me a little bit about what strategic planning looks like for you guys. It does. And for us, you know, it's... um we spend a lot of time as a management team on a usually at least a weekly basis, but a lot of times just through the days, just kind of bouncing stuff off each other in a less formal way as well. But what's easy, I think, is and I say easy, but we have really early on set kind of a very broad framework for what what we wanted to be, kind of three, four, five, ten years, and are pretty aggressive. But now it's just kind of looking at the right time to fill in different pieces. We know exactly for us what where we want to be down the road. And it's just kind of, all right, what block do we place here? Sure. Go now. We talk about it all the time. Well, you guys are obviously doing great here. Congratulations. Um, just a couple thoughts. As I was reviewing your uh, results, I thought that I would give you some additional practical ske- steps you might want to consider. You know, it's important in any strategic plan to reduce that down to a set of specific goals. And we always recommend seven to 10 goals per year, no more than two to three goals uh, per quarter that you're really focused on. I may have a lot of other projects beside that, but I mean, overall company goals that are really uh, driving this kind of uh, growth that you want to experience. So one of the things you've got to do is keep those strategic priorities visible. And one of the best ways we've found and encouraged our clients to do that is through a weekly huddle. So that literally, you know, it's a it's all hands meeting where you're going through, just reviewing again, keeping them visible so that they don't slip away and people forget about them. But just to say, okay, you guys remember for this quarter, these are our goals and review them and review the progress. Now, that may be something you're already doing, but we find that a weekly kind of cadence is the perfect rhythm. It's not too much. For us as leaders, sometimes it feels like it's too much. Like we just talked about this last week. But people get, they forget about them in the daily operational minutia. So it's important for us as leaders, I think, to continue to call these out and keep people focused so that their behavior is trued up against the goals and everything is driving toward that. Then evaluate those same goals, your annual goals, on a quarterly basis so that you either recommit to them, revise them, or remove them as needed. No shame in that. Sometimes goals become irrelevant because of market conditions. But to have a process where on a formal quarterly basis, you're reviewing those annual goals and then re-deciding, you know, recommitting to the three that you're going to pursue for that quarter. And then, of course, celebrating wins. Sounds like you guys do this, but so many leaders get focused on how they're falling short 
you know, how they missed it. And I've seen people who had get a goal that they, you know, they get 95% of the way there and feel like a loser and worse, make their teams feel like they've lost because they were 5% short on the goal mm-hmm. rather than, than celebrating how far they've come against where they were. I think that's really good. The one thing that we definitely could be more deliberate about is putting those goals writing them down and really having them clear. So I, we we talk about them so you kind of know them, but it's hard sometimes to really focus on, all right, what are we going to take care of this quarter or next quarter or where exactly do we want to be by the end of the year? So I think that would be really helpful. Great. Dave, here's what's amazing. When you do this in a weekly practice with your team and you have that kind of clarity, your team becomes laser focused on what you want them to be executing on and how what that does for your culture in terms of getting everybody on the same page and aligned and excited and fired up. I mean, it is so powerful. We're at the place where our team, if you were to just ask anybody, they could tell you exactly what our goals are for the quarter because we're just drilling them in every week. They know why we're pursuing it. We They know what our progress is toward it. And, you know, it's just the driving force of our execution. And it's uh, it's a powerful thing. It also avoids a lot of fake work. Yes. You know, where people get really busy, a lot of sideways energy where they're, they're, they're staying busy, but they're not really aligned with the goals. And until you're doing that, you're really not executing. Okay. So the key kind of question here to ask for follow-up for you, Dave, is what's the next action to take to accelerate your business in these areas? Hey guys, if you're enjoying this conversation with Dave, let me encourage you to take the business health assessment. You can take it for free at lead2.win slash business. It'll only take you about 10 minutes and it'll give you instant clarity like it has for Dave about your business and where you need to focus your attention and resources. Now I want to go ahead and move on to the bottom two areas um, that you have. So those were your top two areas. So we're going to look now at your bottom two. So your greatest growth opportunity is in the area of staffing. And this is also part of the scale phase of business growth. Your score here was a six of 12. And both staffing and culture are vital for scale, but scaling is made possible uh, by a team, right? You got to have people. But this is a choke point for so many businesses, you know, like yours that are growing fast. It's tough. But based on your score, what I'd expect to see is that finding an onboarding staff is a bit of a headache. Uh, You may be a bit understaffed. That's very common. And that this probably consumes way more time and energy than it should. So I don't know if that sounds true to you, but I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. And then also tell us a little bit about what's happening in this area of your business right now. I I think that's very true. We we still are a small enough team that we, you know, we everybody still wears a lot of hats. Sure. So we don't have a like an HR department. We have I have one person who does HR, but she also does logistics sure. and scheduling trucks. And Pretty normal. So we've got that's right. So for us, I think just the process of finding somebody, and, and we um, have a couple of the different job board services that we use. But I will tell you, I've had people for positions that I've intended to hire and I'll put something up and it'll be three weeks before I even start going through mm-hmm. the applications yep. because I've just yep. start, I've got so many other things that I'm going down right. the road and working on. And, and these are for important key positions. Right. I just, and by the time I get around to 
I got to try to figure out when I'm going to bring these. So I'm trying to get people in on a Saturday to interview mm. <laughs> because I don't have time during the week. Right. And so that's, that's actually part of the process. And I think each of our other managers is trying to do hiring has, has very similar. I know like we've been trying to hire just a person for our accounting team and it's just been challenging to find the time because we have so many things going on. Yep. Um, and then finding that right person, we're also pretty picky. So I think the combination of those two uh, makes it challenging for sure. So that's something we definitely could use some help in. <laughs> okay. So I've got a couple of suggestions for you. First of all, I think that one mistake that a lot of people make in hiring is they see it as a reverse selling situation. In other words, you're the buyer. Your candidates are the seller. One of the things that changed everything for us was when we took a sales approach to hiring because the biggest problem you have typically in getting those A-level players is you don't have enough, enough candidates in the pool. And so how can you attract more great people so that you've got more great prospects to select from? So one of the first things I would recommend, do you guys have a website? We do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can, you can see an example of this at michaelhyatt.com slash careers, but we created in essence a sales page that's designed to do one thing, and that's sell prospective employees on working at Michael Hyatt and Company. So we go through what our core values are, what the mission is, what the benefits are, you know, all the stuff that we think would attract the kinds of candidates that we want to uh, be able to interview. And that's also where we link to open positions with job descriptions and that kind of thing. So have a sales page. So that when you've got an open position, you can post a link to that page and you can drive traffic there. So it's like the top of the funnel in the sales process where you're trying to get enough leads in the top of the funnel and then filter them down through the process so that you get really those A-level players coming out the bottom end of the funnel. But the second thing I was going to recommend is that you take yourself out of the process as much as possible. (laughs) And it sounds like you know, you, you, you kind of already realized the limitations of this because while your company may scale, you don't scale. You know, you don't have time to do this. There's other things that you need to do, but you've got to have somebody that's doing the initial sorting on those leads. The other problem I think most business owners have and entrepreneurs have is when they get in a room with a candidate, they spend all the time trying to sell the candidate on and coming to work for them instead of being asking thoughtful questions and letting the candidate talk. So one of the things I think, and this is one of the things I did at Michael Hyde and Company early on, was to hire an HR manager. You know, this doesn't have to be at the VP level, but it needs to be somebody that can make those initial filtering, um, go through the filtering process and present to you only the creme de la creme of the candidates so that your time is optimized, so that it can get scheduled, so that if you're looking at open position like in accounting, you're only interviewing, you know, the top two or three candidates and you're not sifting through, you know, all the others that apply that didn't, didn't make the cut. Does that make sense? It does. It definitely does. For me, one of the things, because we've had some hires that haven't fit our culture, and so I try to get so involved, and that I think it's really that I spend time at least talking to each of the hires, sure. is because I want to make sure that there's a fit and that they understand I, really what my expectations are for the culture and to make sure that I can communicate to them what to expect if they come to work here and that you know it is a crazy place to work. We're going to have a lot of fun, but it's going to be nuts. and and just kind of lay it all out there so they can appreciate it because it doesn't do me any good if we have a fantastic 
person who comes here and is just like, whoa, this place is not what I expected, you know? Well, part of that so, can happen in your um, in your initial interviews that that HR manager could do on your behalf, right. where there are screening questions that could be asked in the early interview process to identify whether or not someone is a cultural fit. Of course, there's no uh, replacement for that kind of in-person culture fit that you're talking about, but that's how we do it. And it's been very effective for us. I uh, will do the uh, one final interview with senior level positions in our company for that very purpose of the culture fit, but it's just usually about a 30-minute coffee that I do. But there are a number of other interview steps in our process that happen totally without me. Um, and I used to be involved in every single one of them years ago. You know, So over, over time, I've gotten out of that. So it's very efficient, but I'm contributing to the process, kind of the one thing that only I can do. Um, and that may be mm. you know, kind of a direction that you could head with the right person or the right um, equipping of that person in an HR position. Because somebody else can assess their skills, their experience, their knowledge, all that stuff. But the thing you want to do as the CEO, and the thing I want to do as the CEO, or Megan wants to do as our COO, is do sort of the cultural sniff test. Because that, you're you're exactly right. And that's usually where uh, qualified candidates go wrong. And where it doesn't fit is because there's not a cultural fit. And that's something that by virtue of our experiences, business owners or whatever, we can often sniff out. But what you don't want to do is wear yourself out with all those low-level things that by the time you get around to hiring somebody, just like, you know, I'm so worn out with this process, any warm body will do. (laughs) You know, and it it won't do. That's very, that's uh, what I definitely have not done is kind of sat down with our HR manager and said, look, Let's focus on these things. Here are the questions I want. This is what I want you to assess. This is how we want to really focus on culture. And um, I haven't really let her have the ability to go through and screen. We've really done the the hiring by department Mm -hmm. as opposed. And HRs are more like, okay, you're here now. She can talk about the handbook and fill out your forms. All that stuff. Like a small company HR person. Sure. But that's real. Those are really good. I think that that would be very helpful. So that's some really good feedback. I tell you what, this is one of those areas that our coaching clients ask us about all the time because it's probably number one, probably number one. It just doesn't come easily to almost any business owner or entrepreneur. It's like a skill that you learn and it's a process that you learn. And that's why we spend so much time on it because it's just not a natural thing for most people. So you're not alone. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go to the last area, the growth opportunity, which is in operations. So this is part of the implementation phase. Again, one of those four stages of business growth. Your score here was a 7 of 12, so not horrible, but obviously room for improvement. But operations is the backbone, and it carries the weight of the day-to-day business. And that score, the score you got is a 7, often means you're caught in the whirlwind, which means that day-to-day life can feel a little chaotic, probably stressful. Things get done, but it can come at the expense of larger priorities sometimes. Things keep getting pushed back. Maybe you're missing deadlines, but you may feel that too much of it depends on you. You know, that if you uh, stop pedaling, that the whole thing's going to come to a uh, standstill. So <laughs> it's not surprising that this pairs with staffing as the two lowest. So tell me a little bit about what's happening in this area of your business. A lot of this is, is definitely in flux. So I had hired um, last year somebody to come in and we're headed to operations. And I really tried to take a step back and I think I'm pretty self-aware and I'm not a super detailed guy. I'm definitely the more of a visionary and strategic planner and let's go this way and think about culture and push the company and drive it. And, uh, but getting into the really 
nitty-gritty detail of operations is not uh, kind of my forte. And so I had brought in a guy who uh, I really just sat back and let him run with it and actually just uh, let him go a few weeks ago. In the past month, we've actually, I brought somebody in who is actually was working in another department part-time, brought her on full-time, and she's got some really good operational efficiency expertise. And um, we sat down and strategized what we need to do. The reason why my score is seven, where I think we're on the track to be a nine or 10, I think we still have a lot of good ways to go, but we are definitely just on that place where we're turning the corner and just starting to get there. We've just got a lot of things going on right now on the operation side, which I think is positive. We're moving in the right direction. But so it's definitely a weak spot for yeah. us right now. Well, you know, first of all, just know that this is so, so common. This is one of the most challenging areas. That, I mean, I really, this and staffing are probably the two most challenging areas for entrepreneurs because, you know, like you, when you're the big idea guy and the visionary, this kind of, um, you know, ground level um, architecture kind of stuff is just not where your head is. And it's not where you make your highest and best contribution. I think what's cool is you know that about yourself. I mean, you, you said that, you know, we would use the language of desire zone. It's not the thing that you're most passionate about or have the greatest proficiency in. Um, but, you know, I think it kind of goes back to your staffing thing a little bit. You got to find the right person. It sounds like maybe you have internally have the right person now for the job. But here's the thing that so many business owners miss or don't take seriously enough. And that is when you're going to delegate something that's this important, you've got to leverage your visionary abilities to kind of look into the future and explain what you see success looking like. So you don't have to execute on it or make it happen, but you have to paint the picture for the person you're going to put in that role so they can go make your vision come to life. And so often as business owners, we really just like our people to read our mind because we're busy and we don't have a lot of time to slow down, you know? We've certainly been there ourselves. Yeah, Yeah, right. But it just, as it turns out, you know, never works out very well. So, you know, if you can figure out, and we have a tool that we call the Project Vision Caster that we use a lot with our clients, but it's a tool for articulating and externalizing your vision for a project so that you can delegate it. And this enables you to hand something off to somebody with a lot of clarity. Um, You have to have a conversation about it. You do have to check in on a regular basis about it. But your ability to get the result that you want is so much greater when you externalize it because chances are if you know if you're kind of in and out and traveling a lot the conversations you're having about these things are maybe not as thorough and detailed as they need to be but i think you know that articulation of what you want combined with a person who has the right temperament and values that are in alignment with yours will make for a great outcome here that's different than what you've had in the past very good very good thoughts okay dave as we kind of wind this up here i just would like to ask you Kind of from our discussion here today, and again, we appreciate so much you spending this time with us, but what was your top takeaway uh, from our discussion? A lot of things that we talked about. One, though, is on the, the hiring side, to be able to have somebody in HR who really is fully vested and, and understands what we're looking for from a hiring perspective, not just, hey, here's what our culture is, but here's what I want you to find in the candidates is what I want you to look for and really think about what those questions and what things we want to hear from the candidates that, that help us make the fit, but then also doing the same thing um, operationally. Because I definitely 
100% did not do a good job of communicating, hey, here's mm-hmm. you know, here's where I expect you to go. I, I definitely, when I, I brought in uh, the COO, the thought was, you know where we want to be over the, this is where we want to be next year. Go do it. Right. right? Just connect and, the dots. <laughs> and, right. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I did not do a good job of saying, all right, here's where I want you to get next quarter. And here's where I want you to get here. And here's what that looks like. And um, so I think that's something I definitely could spend some time focusing on. Great. Okay. So on a scale of one to 10, how much clarity do you think the business health assessment and this conversation gave you about where to put your energy? Well, I definitely think it's right up there, eight, nine. I still think I not quite a 10 because there's still things that I've probably got to, you know, this is a quick call. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but I, it definitely, I mean, sitting there, it, if you would have asked me before doing the assessment, what areas I need to work on, I, I would have picked different categories. But as you wow. go through the assessment and just our conversation, I think, um, I I knew that those are weak spots, but I wouldn't have put my it wouldn't have been the higher priority ones for me. But now as I kind of look through it and we talk through it, I think knowing their weaknesses was there, but now realizing that I need to prioritize those higher has really helped. Awesome. Okay, so we like to boil it down to where the rubber meets the road. I think I just mixed <laughs> two metaphors there, but at any rate, what's what's the next action that you plan to take after this call to accelerate your business? Well, two things. One is I'm going to go and, and talk to the woman that we just hired and talk to her about this is be very clear about our expectations on and let's sit down and talk about some priorities and where exactly we want to be a month from now and two months and, and really try to focus on that and have that conversation. Right. Um, and then the other one is, is exactly going and sitting down. And, and I probably need to sit back and, and brainstorm a little bit on the HR side, because I think I need to think about, mm-hmm. for me, a lot of it is talking to people and conversational and showing them my vision. It's more of a gut thing, but I think if I'm going to have that screened effectively, I really need to spend some time figuring out mm-hmm. um, what questions we need to ask people, what we need to be looking for and, and how to put that framework together. So those are, to me, those are the two things I'm leaving here going to do. Perfect. Well, let me just encourage you to schedule a time to do that brainstorming. One of the things we always say around here is what gets scheduled gets done. So schedule a time, even if it's just an hour, to block out of your calendar and get that written down because that will save you hours and days and probably months of your own time and and free you up to do the more high leverage activities. So Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, that was kind of fun. That was so fun. Man, he got so many great breakthroughs. Yeah. The the cool thing about that was, is he would have picked something else had he not taken the assessment and had the conversation. Yeah. So I think this is a key insight for us. Sometimes until we stop to take the diagnostic, it's easy to apply our resources to the wrong problem mm-hmm. and waste a lot of resources on stuff that doesn't matter. So this is the whole point of the assessment. We want people to zero in on where they can have their biggest impact and accelerate their growth in the fastest way possible. It's also a great example of how you can be already successful, doing a great job yeah. like Dave in so many areas, but have tremendous opportunity for growth. That's really the thing that is going to enable you to accelerate your results and go to the next level um, in a totally new way. And you know, I think that's what he discovered during our call, which is exciting. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, guys. So what are you waiting for? Go to lead2.win slash business and take the assessment. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha